Good evening, and welcome to another edition of the JMU Sports Blog Podcast. I'm Todd. I'm uh, joined, as always, by my buddy Rob. What's up, Rob? Evening, everyone. Everyone, I hope, is doing incredibly well. After we all, the Dukes proved this week, there is no game day curse. Um, Yes, I'm sure everybody had an incredibly productive day at work. (laughs) Yeah. Gosh, that was not fun coming back after that weekend. But what a great weekend it was. What a great weekend it was. Um, we're going to do the normal thing tonight, uh, but we do want to start out by just saying a huge, huge thank you to, uh, everyone we saw this weekend and get to hang out with. It's always a ton of fun for us when people are excited about what we're doing. Um, it was fun to talk to a lot of other people who are doing some great stuff, uh, related to JMU and just see a lot of old friends. Uh, I don't think we can go through the list cause I would probably forget everybody. Um, but that's kind of one of our first huge thanks is just to everybody we got to see and hang out with this weekend. Uh, Rob and I were fortunate to be up there most of the weekend and had a great time. And then secondly, we did want to say before we get going, uh, for the second week in a row, (laughs) we're brought to you by Pale Fire Brewing Company in Harrisonburg, Virginia. Mm -hmm. Rob and I had a great time uh, at Pale Fire on Saturday night. Big thanks to Linda, uh, who had gotten the word from... Tim and Susan and the team, and um, a few people got their pint glasses, so that's good. Remember, if you go to Pale Fire Brewing and mention the JMU Sports Blog Podcast, you get a free Pale Fire pint glass. Uh, we are, or at least I'm enjoying a Deadly Rhythm Pale Ale this evening. So, <laughs> Oh, good stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I had one or two of those Saturday night. <laughs> right. I think, I, what, what was the other one we had? Oh, was it the, the salad? I, or Salad days? I didn't have that. Yeah. On night, okay. but, um Errant, the IPA. Oh, yeah. Which was delicious. All right. Whatever. We, we don't need to make this total beer geek talk. No, no. Thank you to our friends at Pale Fire. Really appreciate all the support and had a very good time Saturday night. Sure. So and, just... and so did Ralph Sampson, by the way, who was there in attendance. <laughs> That's true. That, that is true. Yes. We, we did get yell out, yelled at to clear out of a birthday party that he did not get yelled at to clear out of. So, yeah. Yes. Funny, the, the 7-4 guy gets politely asked, do yeah. you and right <laughs> justin just get yelled at oh it's great um so before we get we're going to do our normal four downs uh, from the game this week and we're going to do a concern leading it or leaving the game or heading into next week we're also got a good off topic uh thing to do tonight at the end but we're going to start with just a little our, our thoughts on game day um you know this is kind of different than the game and it, we can't let this go without talking about it a little bit. Rob, you want to start us out with your thoughts about Saturday morning? Yeah, well, as long as we are actually being sincere and, yeah. and being appreciative, we really need to say thank you to uh, Jeff and Paula Polglaze. Enormous um, thank you. Yeah, This was really just a stroke of luck. I, mean, I guess we should thank everybody who looked the other way and let them give us the VIP passes. <laughs> it was amazing. Um, for those of you who don't know, Jeff and, and Paula both work at JMU. Um, Jeff is what the deputy director of, of athletics. He sure is. Yep. And he was kind enough to invite us backstage. Uh, we ran into him. He actually said they were trying to get in touch with us, just kind of fortuitous timing. We ran into him. He's like, Hey, why don't we got VIP passes for you? Just want to say thanks for all you guys do for JMU. And Todd and I were both kind of looking behind, you know, like, are you talking to somebody else? <laughs> you know? yes. um, but sure enough, they weren't kidding. We went back and it was a real thrill for, yep. for the two of us who are just, fanatics about college football and jamie football geeks and for me just also being like a television geek seeing the whole production oh yeah it it was so much fun 
yeah. uh, just being back there, getting the perspective, seeing all the hosts up close, seeing the way the whole show comes together, um, meeting other people who had much better reasons to be invited back there. Yes. Uh, it was really uh, quite a thrill. And we cannot thank Jeff and Paula and whoever else um, JMU you know, signed off on that. That was really, really a fun experience. Yeah, it was a huge highlight of the day for, for both of us. And I don't know who back a couple years ago put us, you know, got us going to the Madison Alumni Conference, but that's how I met Jeff and Paula, and uh, they've been huge supporters. And, and it's just, uh, you know, we got to see Meredith Cox or Meredith Crawford uh, during the day, and, you know, she was kind of our first champion from within the university, and, and that's just been a huge thrill for us, which kind of culminated in us getting that opportunity this weekend. So thanks to everybody um, at the Duke Club and at JMU for that opportunity. Um, I thought, Rob, I, just, yeah, you want to go on generally what you thought about game day? No, just, I, I was, I wouldn't say concerned, um, but I didn't really think it would be bigger than the last time. And I wasn't worried. I knew it was still going to be big, but it was hands down a bigger, more engaged, livelier crowd, I thought at least. Yeah, I, I thought the same thing. I mean, I, you know, what was weird is I think like us, last time we were up there at 7 a.m. and a lot of people this time, you know, did what we did. We kind of rolled in it. We knew, we knew what we were doing and we got there at 8.45. And, you know, it may not have been quite as big at the beginning, but, you know, by later in the show, 11 a.m., it was packed. And, and I think we talked about last time, I mean, from the stage to Wilson, it was great up by Wilson last time where they had the band and it was great down by the stage. But there was plenty of room to cruise around with your family and stroller and stuff in between last time and this time, I mean, it was from the door of Wilson hall down to the stage. You had, to and that was just with fans. They just the fans. band out. Yeah. 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 I mean, you really had to weave your way around. Um, <clears throat> you know, I don't know if people were louder or, more <laughs> or crazier than, than before. There were certainly more signs than before. I, I can barely even keep track of what the best signs were. So, yeah, I, I was a big fan of the, the peanuts trick or treating one. Uh, yes, with, with the, I don't know if anybody saw that, but it's you know the classic like peanuts characters, and what I'm saying, I got a championship ring with the JMU logo, and the other one had the Nova logo, and I got a rock. <laughs> I don't know why, but that just that like made my day. It did, especially uh, there were obviously plenty of uh, less tasteful signs all the way around, but we both enjoyed that one a lot. <laughs> and so. then a little a shout out to the Kozlowskis. Um, oh yeah, their kids signs I thought were great. They're they're good friends of ours, so we are biased, but they root about as hard as anybody you yes. will ever meet. Yes. Um, they're there week in, week out with all three children, and their kids had some very funny signs. I think their youngest had a born into this sign, and um, I'm not sure if it was their daughter or, the, or their older son who had the, my parents made me make this sign. Right. Uh, I don't know. I got a kick out of it. It was great spending time with them. For sure. Um, as always. Yeah. I mean, what can you say? JMU is a, I mean, all the people from ESPN said the same thing. It's if they could build a set, if, if, if game day was going to be filmed on a set, that's what they would build. Uh, it's the, the quad of JMU. It's... Oh, yeah. And, and we can tell you, you know, since we're big timers and we were backstage, <laughs> uh, you might not know this if you're one of you commenters on the quad. <laughs> but we got to see, you know, the hosts up close from their perspective. They appear to be having more fun than anybody else there. Yes. Um, when you saw them, like, throwing streamers and everything – that was not for show. Like they were walking off stage and they were cracking each other up. They clearly were getting competitive about who could throw it further. Um, I don't think that's, that's a joke when they, 
when you saw those interviews last week and they're talking about how excited they were when they found out they're coming back to JMU and it's just such a fun experience and how it's more special when you're at a program like not taking anything away from JMU, but it is not at the same sort of level mm-hmm. of an Alabama or an LSU where game day isn't that big of a deal. Um, we appreciate it more. It makes it more fun. Like anything else, they feed off that energy. They really seem to be absolutely loving it Oh yeah, uh, the entire time. Yeah, it was fantastic. I mean, <laughs> watching David Pollock and Desmond Howard try to out-throw streamers to yeah. each other was fantastic. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it was just great. And, and just thank you to everybody involved with JMU. I mean, what a great day. I, you know, people have had little nits to pick about signage and enthusiasm and things here and there. But come on. The, the, I mean, it's incredible what we have. And it, it was funny. I really like you, Rob. I mean, last time we got up there, and I was almost choked up, right? Mm-hmm. The first time, like thinking this is happening at JMU on the yeah. quad, right? And it feels different. I mean, all these times we go back, and this is something for JMU, which I just, huge credit to them. I mean, we go back for a lot of games. There are other fans who come back for games. And that's the tailgate scene is something that didn't exist when we were there. Yeah. So that's great, but it's kind of its own thing. And uh, going up to the quad last time, and then again this time, it's so much more a reminder of like the JMU where we went. You know, I mean, the yeah. the quad itself and going, I mean, I was an English major going to Kiesel Hall. Like, you know, it just feels like what the way you were walking back across campus. And it's so stunning to see this thing happening that, you know, wasn't in our wildest dreams when we were in school. So that's really great. And, and just fantastic. Again, everybody associated with JMU, the facilities crew. I mean, that place was cleaned up by noon on Sunday. The... You know, everybody that in the marketing department that comes up, I mean, they had, I can't imagine how many thousands of streamers were involved in that show. Oh, that was crazy. It was trash bags full. Yes, it was insane. So just fantastic work. We did get to see Taylor Dewey backstage and, you know, she's the streamer, streamer queen and uh, just great, great work from JMU. Oh yeah. And one more note, we got to meet the, the, uh, the new live Duke dog. Uh, Thanks to Ryan Bartow. It was great to meet him and his wife and their or fiance and their fiance, yeah. fiance and their uh, obviously fantastic new live Duke dog. So yeah, and and we met him before he's famous before his national television debut. That's right. Yeah, we can say <laughs> that about like ten minutes before, but we we did sneak in there under the line. We did. So I hope everybody had as much fun as we did. I, I certainly I didn't get to watch the whole show since I've been home, um, but I got to watch the intro and what an insane turnout and no, nothing less than we would expect from JMU nation. So no, it was great. All right. So with that, we will get to the football. Um, and I guess I'll start this week with our first down from the Villanova game. Um, my first down is just a kind of a philosophy issue. And I, I think it was interesting to watch this game. You know, I, I think coach Houston, and this is really about him and his staff. They have realized what Rob said a couple of weeks ago, which is this is a defensive football team. And, you know, not to say that the offense is incapable or won't figure it out. I'm sure we're going to talk plenty about that uh, tonight. But I'm someone who always wants to go for it on fourth down. I, I think the, the math says you should. <laughs> and I get really frustrated when they don't go for it on fourth down in plus territory, in particular when you're down near the goal line. Uh, but coach, and, and when you're and when you're, the other team can't move the ball, right, yeah. right. Um, but obviously, Coach Houston and the staff, you know, they took 
two easy field goals. I mean, they were inside the five-yard line twice and took field goals early in the game. And I think they know better than I do what's going on. And they know that the other team can't move the ball and that they'll take the points where they get them. And their philosophy is show us you can score 17 points because nobody's done it yet this year. And I think they're probably exactly right. So for you know anything we're concerned about, I, I think the philosophy this year has changed, at least for the time being. And as fans, we got to take a step back and realize Jamie has won 18 straight games for a reason. And a lot of that reason is because people that people know a whole lot more about what they're doing than I do. So, yeah. right. Yeah. Rob, what do you got for second down? Yeah, that, that was before I get to mine. Yeah. That, that was pretty much exactly what I was going to say. I, I think we're finally seeing the Mike Houston team that he wants. Um, last year, the guy's won everywhere. He's put together an amazing coaching staff. He's got the types of players on his roster that buy into it. They're, you know, you see this whole stuff about them being a family. They're hitting on all cylinders. But, well, I'm sure he wouldn't be upset if Jamie was scoring 60 points a game. He seems like the type of guy who'd be totally fine winning every game 3 nothing. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I'm, with, I'm like you. I want to go for it. You got him pinned back. Let's run it in. You look at the stats. At the end of the day, he's probably right. For whatever reason, JMU was struggling to even get two yards. So when you got it down there, you know, fourth and goal from the two, well, take the three points and get out of there with the win. So it, it's just different. Um, but you also notice, I don't know if you rewatched his interview on game day, but I don't know if he was excited. Oh, I loved it. He was kind of throwing a little shade at, at the predecessors, but he got a real oh, kick he out did. of saying, that, Yeah, that wasn't JMU a plays that some was defense a now. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think you're exactly right. He just – he doesn't really care about party in the end zone or, or style points. He just wants to win. And that kind of leads me to what I was going to say for my second yeah. down. And this was never in doubt. Um, and I'm, and I'm serious about that. And Todd, you've been watching games with me for years. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm the most nervous uptight fan <laughs> yes. ever yep. basketball, football. I mean, I think Todd's got some funny pictures of me in the Richmond Coliseum when Jamie was up double digits Northeastern, like two minutes. And he's got me like biting my fingernails as if they were going to hit some sort of rock and jock five pointers to come back. Like I'm, I'm a disaster. I always think my team is going to lose. I always think the bottoms can fall out. I don't feel that way with Mike Houston teams. Um, You know, I get nervous. I was very nervous last year for the big games, North Dakota state, Richmond or anything, but Todd, you can attest to this. I had no doubt we were going to win in Frisco. I just have the utmost confidence in, in yep. what Houston is doing, and more importantly, in the players that buy into it. Um, and that was my impression on, on Saturday. I was a little bit nervous, because not because I thought they were going to lose, but I was just waiting for them to pull away. Then I was like, they might not pull away today, but we're going to win. And I told you that. I mean, you, yeah. you can Yeah, you said that all along. Yep. Like, it wasn't in doubt, but I still – I wanted to see progress. Um, you know, want to see that scores. And we got it. This mm-hmm. team in the fourth quarter, I think Media tweeted something out today. They're outscoring the opponents by a ridiculous margin. And so we seem to have these games where it's like, oh, it's hard fought, it's close. Oh, what do you know? It's three scores. Mm-hmm. You know, They just get it done. So it's not the flashiest team, but I love defense. Yeah. I always yeah. feel more comfortable with a strong defense going in tough games, personally, <clears throat> than an offense that's simply going to try to outscore you. So um, it's not as maybe is exciting in the traditional sense in terms of fireworks and everything, but this defense is awesome. And I think it's exactly what Houston and the coaches want. So. I, I think you're right. I mean, and I think it's a little different, you know, I, I used to, in 2008, we used to go to games and we started saying Duke's never disappoint. Yeah. And like they would always come back, 
but it was almost, we were having fun with it, right? It was, Mickey would go for it on fourth and 17 and Rodney Landers would do some crazy thing and they would always find a way yeah. for most of that season. This year, it's like what you said about Houston's interview. It's just completely professional. You know, yeah. it's just so locked down, you know, T's crossed, I's dotted. You know, I mean, Houston's interview, I, I did get to watch that and it was hysterical because he just, he didn't want to talk about anything but football. Yeah. Right. I mean, well, I, I think I, you said it a couple times on Saturday. Like, he's like a high school coach in the truest, most Coach Taylor sort of way you right. can get. Like, he just loves football. He loves his guys. He loves being, you know, it, it's a family to him. And they're going to go out and win. And who cares what everybody thinks about the style points or anything? We're going to win. We're going to do it our way. And we're going to march on to the next one. That's right. And, then, and if you win, all the other stuff will come. Yep. And I, I think he understands that. Yeah, that's awesome. My my third down is also on the defensive side of the ball, and it's just for two specific players, uh, Simeon Robinson and Kyrie Hawkins. Those oh two, gosh. and you know, we get so excited. Rob and I have loved Jimmy F. and Moreland for years. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were, you know, Herford is a, I mean, the guy's a meteor out there. He's just an incredible talent who was, you know, sidelined the first few games of the year with a suspension left over from last year. Andrew Ankra is a, another just incredible talent who may have a chance to play after college and, you know, gets a lot of the hype on the defense. But two guys that have really been around the program a while who just, you can't get them off the field are Robinson and, and Hawkins. I mean, Hawkins, for the second time this year, was the defensive player of the week in the CAA. He had double-digit tackles again. He seems to be all over the field. He's figured out he seems to just total have total command of the defensive scheme. I mean, he's there on pass plays, running plays, backing coverage everywhere. And then Robinson's a guy that I've been, I've loved for years because there's been flashes, but there, there was a play. I don't know if it was the third or fourth quarter. Uh, the Villanova had brought in the, the second quarterback, or I guess in their case, the third quarterback who was pretty quick. <laughs> Robinson just, I mean, he just closed on the kid from, 10, 15 yards away yeah. on a sack where the guy could clearly see him coming and should have had time to throw it away and it had no chance. And it was a reminder of there have been games in his career, uh, the main game last year, where Robinson has just taken over. And it, it certainly looks like Hawkins and Robinson are, are leading the charge on that defense. So it's great to see. Yeah, with Robinson, it's kind of like a cliched word when you're talking about football, but I would just say tenacious for him. I mean, he just sheds blockers, goes after people. And like you were saying, quarterbacks think they're away. They're eight yards away from him. It's already been two or three seconds. And he still manages to chase them down. Yeah. And it's so fun to watch it in the stadium. You know, you get that perspective that you mm-hmm. don't really see on television. In television, you see a guy coming around and hitting the quarterback or a guy. Right. But to see all he has to do sometimes where he's shedding blockers and, you know, maybe falling down and, and he still gets there. Uh, he's just a tremendous football player and really, really fun to watch. Yeah, and that's a defensive tackle yeah. He's doing that. You know, I mean, yeah. we've had guys like DJ Bryant and Arthur Motes over the years who come off the end that are fantastic players. No, but you're but, shedding two blockers, right. you know, I mean, busting up a gap. Yeah, it's really great to see. So, Rob, what did you have think about for fourth down? Well, I guess if we're going to go um, individual players, I, I was going to mention Shore. How mm-hmm. We were just chatting. We've got kind of this ongoing DM with, with some pretty hardcore fans that we've that have actually become good friends. Um, yes. Very much so. And it's fortunate to hang out with some of them over the weekend and actually spend some time uh, in person. So we were chatting today about it. And it's funny because people seem kind of concerned about Shore. And I mean, I, I guess 
he's not at that level um, that he was last year. But last year was one of those all-time, you know, one of the best seasons you'd ever see a quarterback have uh, for JMU or FCS. And he had the benefit of having some really talented and experienced receivers. He still is playing so well at such a high level of football. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of makes me smile in some ways that so many fans, good, knowledgeable, passionate, not negative fans, are like, yeah, I don't think he's he's at that level he can get. He's still with 20 <laughs> for 28, 271 yards, and two touchdowns. Right. But I don't disagree with these people. It makes me so happy. Like, he plays really well. He's an awesome quarterback. And you're still like, yeah, but he can be that much better. And that's not being a jerk or anything. I'm sure he would say the same thing. Like, he is such a good quarterback. Um, but he's just now, what, into like his third game? And not even, I was going to say, full complement of, of his weapons. No, not even. But he got Clue out. So yep. Like, I mean, God bless William and Mary if they're the team that happens to be there <laughs> when all the weapons start hitting. <laughs> right. Um, they're really good. And the other guy, I'll kind of steal this and do uh-huh. no go. fourth slash fifth down. Yeah. We don't talk about David Eldridge enough. No, we don't. He is really – he's not going to have gaudy numbers. None of the receivers are going to have gaudy numbers because there's so many of them and they're all just so solid. Eldridge's touchdown was – it was like the Simeon Robinson of offensive touch of offensive plays. Yeah. I mean, just, just shedding blockers and going. When it just that He was like, I'm going to get this ball no matter what. And then after he got it, he's like, I'm getting six. Yep. And that was just – he's awesome. Um, the first home game we went down to, my son James fell in love with him. He's like, <laughs> that guy's amazing. He, he made a catch on the sidelines that was just otherworldly. Uh, so, so many weapons. But he's one of those guys. He's like – he can be a possession receiver, but then he also has plays like he did on Saturday where it's just it's kind of a game-changing play. Yeah, and, and I think you're right. I mean, when you really think about this team, I mean, they lost the three best receivers from last year all graduated. Yeah. And they brought they had a lot of guys who were ready to go, but they haven't had the entire core on the team at all times. No. Eldridge, who's new, has been there the whole time. Riley Stapleton, yep. who's getting his first significant play time, playing time. And doing there, very well. And doing very well. But Ishiman has spent time out with an injury. Miller's um, been out. Miller's Alls been out. was suspended. Alls with Clue was suspended and now sick. And, yeah, I mean, they, they haven't had the whole crew. Um, speaking of the elders getting in the end zone touchdown, I mean, that Clayton Cheatham touchdown was. Oh, man. Right? <laughs> Just yeah. like his brother, right? Yeah, it yeah. really was. The really very was. similar play. And um, I mean this as a very, very big compliment. I thought it was Clue when it happened. Right? <laughs> yeah. It's and exactly. that's pretty impressive. Even a freshman, they can come in and be mistaken by even by dumb fans like me right. as Klusterman. That's right. pretty good. You're doing something right. Yep. And uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, whoever, if JMU can get healthy for a few weeks before the playoffs and give Shore the chance to get comfortable with the crew he has out there, I think they can really find their way. Yeah. So that's that it uh, completes four downs for us tonight. Uh, we do want to talk about a couple of concerns coming out of this game and headed towards the we the tri- the trip to Vil- to uh, Williamsburg. So we'll be headed down to the freshly renovated Zabel Stadium for the first time this year. William and Mary has also added a second deck, and uh, it looks like they've done a pretty nice job with their stadium as well. So it'll be exciting to see the Dukes down there for the first time. And, and just a quick plug, like I can't make it this weekend. I've got to coach soccer, and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm don't, I don't need to. I'm looking forward to it. This mm-hmm. time. But um, if you can make the trip, William and Mary is a very fun place to catch a game. I, I've been to road games there. Zabel is a nice stadium. It's a nice campus. Um, pretty welcoming fan base, but not that passionate so that we couldn't 
you know, kind of have a significant JMU presence. Right. Um, I would definitely recommend it. If you're going to, if you have nothing to do this weekend, you can make a road trip. Um, it's a fun place with a nice group of fans. Uh, mm-hmm. to go down and check, check out a road game. Yeah. My, my brother is a, uh, is a William and Mary alum and, uh, yeah, they do a good job and they, they definitely, I mean, I don't, I don't know that there's a school in the CAA that appreciates being in the CAA more than, more than, more than William and Mary. Right. They, they love it. They, and they, these games with JMU and Richmond, they really, really love them. And there's no reservations or strings attached to that love in the way that I think JMU fans can get caught up with the FBS, FCS discussion and stuff. William Mary really loves this and it's, it is definitely a fun place to go. So, yeah. And I, I, I really like having William Mary as a conference mate. It's a school that, that is so different than JMU, mm-hmm. but uh, different in ways that I, I just respect the hell of it. It's an outstanding academic school. I've had plenty of friends that go there. Um, it's a beautiful campus. It's, it's a school that I think JMU and JMU fans should be proud to be associated with. Mm-hmm. And it's been a good program over the years. Uh, they're they're a little bit kind of I don't want to say down, but not playing up to the level they're used to. Right. But they got a guy who's going to be behind center on Saturday, Sean Mitchell, who has a ton of potential and could represent a real challenge to the JMU defense. Yeah, I, I've been wondering whether Jimmy Laycock, their longtime coach, you know, he said he was going to stick with Mitchell. Now uh, the kid's a freshman. I, yeah. I've almost been wondering if he's kind of decided, like, okay, this is a rebuilding year. We're going to let Mitchell play and see what we got, you know. I mean, he's so, got a ton of talent. Bro. Yeah, for sure. He's, he's, he could be really good. Yep. So it, that'll be fun to see this week. Rob, yeah. what was your concern, though? I have a feeling I know what it was, but I'll let you start well, it out. I mean, clearly the T-shirt cannon. <laughs> uh, we just, no mean, doubt about it. No doubt about it. I mean, one of the things about the Mike Houston, Jamie program is – you know, everybody's never, everybody's kind of stepped up and there's no shrinking under the big lights. And Saturday, we didn't see that second biggest crowd ever college game day t-shirt cannon just choked. Um, <laughs> it's bad news. Yeah, It really was. Um, are we just going to talk about the running game? I mean, yeah, that's what I think we need clearly, to talk I mean, about. It's, yeah. It's, I it's mean, just, it's, we've danced around it the past couple weeks mm-hmm. and we're like, Oh, we've kind of made excuses. It's not there. I don't know. What is it? The running backs are good. The line is good. I was expecting more coming out of the bye week. Mm-hmm. Um, it just it looked completely out of sorts, no matter who was back there. And credit to Nova's D. We oh. talked about that last week. That's a really, really good defense. Um, a playoff caliber defense. I don't know if Nova will be a playoff team, but that is definitely a playoff caliber defense. Mm-hmm. They were only giving up, I think, fewer than two yards a carry. They did better than that i think it was like 1.8 for the yeah. season it was like 1.5 for jmu mm-hmm. there was nothing there there were no holes wasn't around the edge so i i'm concerned the coaches know more than us obviously mm-hmm. jmu seems so hell-bent on running between the tackles in the first half of every game um maybe it'll come through there were it wasn't there i don't know if the guys were hitting the wrong gaps but i didn't see a lot of holes opening up I think they've got some really talented runners who, if they get in space, are dangerous. So, I don't know. Maybe they got to do swing passes or give, give the ball to yeah. Marshall or yeah. I don't, um, I don't know. Trey, you know, pitching the ball out. I don't know what's going on, but the through the tackles running is not there, and that really worries me. Right, and we haven't seen much of Taylor Woods or Percy in no, the last we couple weeks either, Percy you know, just for any kind of change of pace. Yeah, I mean, I, it's so hard. We, we've... I think Rob and I both sat through the third and fourth quarter this week and just said, 
you know, this is officially a concern at this point. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's hard because I think what you said about teams that have playoff caliber defenses but may not be playoff caliber teams, I'm left to wonder if JMU hasn't faced three of those in a row in Maine, Delaware, and Villanova. I think we definitely have. Right. And I, and I'm, I certainly think there's a possibility that JMU played its best, has now finished with the tough defense portion of the schedule. Mm-hmm. You know, it'll be interesting to see the next couple of weeks uh, as, as JMU moves on to some teams that maybe we think of as better, like New Hampshire or Richmond. But I don't, I don't know defensively that they can claim anything close to what we saw from Villanova in that 3-3-5 alignment this week. So they, they were all over the field. And hopefully JMU can get this worked out. I mean, it is important to remember that Tyree Chavis got hurt in the preseason. Garen Butler has been hurt since then. So the players that have come in are very talented, but there's, you know, like every offensive line cliche at any level of football, those guys have to work together and, and kind of figure it out as a group. So, and, and with the, and that goes for the coaches too. They have to kind of see what they have and what works for them. So hopefully Jamie can get that sorted out. I mean, those were my two was the running game and the t-shirt cannon yeah. <laughs> for sure. Um, and, and not to knock like that was just equipment malfunction or whatever. Everything about the JMU game day experience is better than it was a couple years ago. It was an amazing, amazing experience. We would not be knocking the t-shirt cannon if everything else wasn't perfect. That's right. Please, if anybody's listening, goodness, the way we were treated this weekend, we have no reason to poke fun at anything JMU related. It was just a fantastic weekend all around. But the t-shirt cannon thing was just funny. I felt bad for them. It was like heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. But it was funny. You could see the like, puff of whatever compressed air or smoke and yeah. nothing was happening it would have been better if they if it never if no shirts ever came out like if yeah. they're just like oh it's broken but, but then they, they shot them like, out like 10 feet yeah exactly <laughs> right. and then finally those guys get so frustrated they start throwing them yeah it was yeah. hilarious yeah but you're right the, the rest of the game day experience was great um the whiteout was really good like, it really was like, I, 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 you know i'd be curious to hear from the students like did it look that good on our side because looking out to the student section and the end zone it was a really cool visual. I don't know how it looked if you were looking at, at the big side of the stadium. Yeah, I don't know either. And, and it was cool. JMU seemed uh, they passed out white streamers, which was also cool. You know, Rob and I have not not huge on the whiteout blackout theme. Um, we wear purple on Saturdays at JMU. But well, I picked it, it up my great. six dollar white white T shirt from Target, right. so. and I was a terrible fan who did not embrace that and wore our gold rooting shirt available yeah. on our Spreadshirt site. Check yeah. the blog. Um, but yeah, I, I, it, it was great, and I think it's something they could build on going forward. As much as the other, t- you know, purple out, blackout, they're fun, but the visual is is, as Penn State fans will tell you, the visual is best with the whiteout. So yeah. it was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, great experience all around from JMU, and, and good work on that. I, I don't know if the crowd was quite as intense as the game day crowd against Richmond two years ago. But I think that probably has a lot to do with the opponent and the pace of play in this game. Yeah. More than anything. So, no, I, I'll take the result a hundred times. So, Oh, I'm right there with you. Yeah. So, with that, that brings us to overtime here in our off topic. We would like to thank our buddy Chris Ward. You can find him on Twitter, at Top Bean Counter. <laughs> um, Former JMU, uh, JMU sports blog photographer, by the way. That's right. Yeah. That's how we get to know Chris. And yeah. Chris has now become friends of ours. and. Yeah. And we tailgated with him on Saturday. And he had this great suggestion. We, we throw out these 
little tweets every Monday when we're cramming and realize we haven't planned for the podcast. Mm-hmm. And say, so, you know, give, give us an off topic. And Chris came up with what I think is a really good one, which is our favorite college sports mascots. Mm-hmm. So Todd and I were talking and we're indecisive or <laughs> have, have love for a lot of different schools. So we're going to do our, t- we're going to do our top three in no particular order. So, right. um, well, and Duke Dog is off the table. Yeah, because right. everybody Because obviously knows. everyone in the world knows Duke Dog is the greatest mascot ever. Correct. <laughs> right. Correct. Whether that's the live version or the cartoon or, version. Or, yes. Yeah. Although Bart- I would say the worst mascot in college sports is the circa 2012 um, angry Duke Dog. Oh, yeah. Remember when they switched the Duke Dog costume yes. to this like serious, mean-looking Duke Dog? It was so bad. And I think your boys were like terrified. They were yeah, like, was that's awful. not Duke Dog. Yeah, Look. Sam. I took Sam to the game. And yeah. He's like, who, who is that thing? That is not Duke Dog. What happened to Duke Dog? Right. And within like a week, the fan base revolted and they had to go back to the beloved Duke Dog. So, And I think that was the only time, clearly the only time, um, we were quoted in the Washington Post. And You're right. <laughs> Dan Steinberg uh, wrote a story about yeah, it. Yeah, and I, I forget. I said something like, it looked like the bastard child of... Teddy Ruxpin and one of the sluttier Care Bears or something yes. like that. I think that's like, exactly goodness, right. Goodness gracious. Like, my family grew up subscribing to the Washington Post and of all the dumb things I've said on the blog. <laughs> that's that your quote well, in the Post. Well yeah. done, Rob. Yeah. Here, here. Democracy dies in darkness yes. and slutty Care Bears. You yes. know? Like, yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, that's fantastic. But it also, the funniest comment, like Washington Post comments are as bad as any other major news mm-hmm. uh, publication. But I still remember it's been years. And I still remember like one of the first comments to Steinberg's thing was like, I don't know what's funnier, that comment by JMU Sports Blog or the fact that there is a JMU Sports Blog. <laughs> yeah. Well, what a, again, what a world we live in. Yeah. <laughs> We're sponsored by Pale Fire Brewing Company. Yes. Right. Yeah. Sorry about that, guys. Yeah. This was the older. This was the, the, the dying days of the Mickey Matthews era. Now it's like, of course, there's a Jamie Sports Blog. <laughs> right. So, Rob, what's your uh, what's your number three on the mascot list? Well, definitely not Ebert or the Pantsless Griffin or whatever our Prince Williams oh, were Oh, Pantsless Griffin, yes. That, that, that honestly, I mean, it's just, that's, that's the worst mascot. Uh, although, sports. look, in William and Mary's defense, you have to say it is ridiculous that William and Mary lost their mascot. William and Mary is the tribe. The NCAA allowed them to keep the tribe nickname if they would get rid of the feather and their mascot. Correct. While the Florida State Seminoles appear to yeah. ride somebody from Tampa yes. into the middle of the field and throw a flaming spear into the ground. Yes. <laughs> right. This is the old, like, Jerry Tarkanian. The NCAA is so mad at Kentucky, they're going to suspend Austin P. Yes. Like, this, that's just a joke. I mean, William Mary should have just done what all the top programs do who care about the NCAA and run fraud no-show classes for two decades. <laughs> and they'd be fine. That's know? right. That's right. So. And then they, they, they could get off from that. Yep. Yeah. Uh, my third one, I'm, I'm going to go Otto the Orange from Syracuse. Oh, you're going to make some people very happy with that one. Well, yeah. Not, not Clemson fans. But, no. uh, this is just such a big, dumb, goofy mascot. It's like those little Miss or little Mister books. You remember? <laughs> it's nothing other than like it's like I could draw this thing. It, it it strikes me as like somebody's like, oh my gosh, we need a mascot. It's due in fifteen minutes. What are we gonna do? 
<laughs> and they just draw like an orange thing with a nose and put a hat on it. Right. Yet I love it so much. It's right. just so goofy and funny and like that's what mascots should be. Um, just something big and dumb and lovable that I imagine if you're a Syracuse orange fan, you love that thing like we love the Duke dog. But it just, I don't know. It puts a smile on my face every time I see it. Yeah, I think that that category of mascots, the the big red from Western Kentucky, oh, yeah, right, probably Which even the big blob, right, the tree from Stanford, um, very good one, a drunken handmade mascot costume every year, um, that sort of just ridiculous, so ridiculous, it's great. Mascot is a is a great category. Yeah, yeah. Um, my third place one also comes from the Northeast, actually, and I'll probably get some flack for this one. But it is the St. Joe's Hawk. So, oh, that's a that's a good choice. I'll let you speak. Yeah. Good choice. No, I mean, I wanted to go with at least one choice that was not a football power, and uh, obviously St. Joe's is not, but quite a quite a bit of tradition in basketball. And the St. Joe's Hawk has been around quite a long time. The Hawk is obviously not a very original mascot in its own, but it still holds to its old, very I mean, the oldest of old school sort of look in the costume. And the deal with the St. Joe's Hawk is it must flap its wings mm-hmm. continuously for the entire basketball game, from when it takes the court to when it leaves the court, including halftime and commercials. Yeah. Uh, which is pretty great. It's awesome. Did you see, they were like years ago, and it feels like just yesterday, but I feel like it was a year or two after I got to college, which was like many years ago. Um, <laughs> It got in a fight, and you could see this thing in front of it, and at, it's throwing punches with like its right hand and flapping its arm with its left hand. Yeah, that was probably either the Temple Owl or the Villanova Wildcat that it was yeah, fighting with. But it was yes. hilarious. It was absolutely hilarious. And I believe, isn't that mascot on scholarship, and like it loses its scholarship if it stops flapping, or am I just I, taking this to ridiculous proportions? Yeah, I don't know. That That's certainly, I don't know the St. Joe's story. Maybe Rich can tell us the whole story, but... uh yeah, that seems possible, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe Speaking it gets a one-year scholarship to be the yeah, flapping hawk. Speaking of St. Joe's, I, I went there on like a random college visit with my dad mm-hmm. um, high school. And we show up, and we're just random people. And check in, and they give us a tour guide, and it's a private tour. And we're like, what? what is going on? And they're walking us through campus, and they're like, well, this is where you'll be. You, you know, you'll be living here. And I'm like, what? And they, they're just talking to me and like, yeah, well, this is where practice will be. It's like, what? They thought it was a basketball recruit. They just saw like <laughs> random, you know, for people who don't know, like I'm like 6'5", no basketball talent. I got cut freshman year. <laughs> but some idiot in the other, it's like, oh, this guy must be a basketball. He's tall. Um, St. <laughs> Joe's was not that bad. When right. I was flying. I don't know what sort of screw up this was. <laughs> but my dad and I were like, why the heck do we have a private tour? And why are they talking to us like, oh, well, you get to register for classes early? I mean, it's like, so bad recruiting process in the in the mid 90s. Yes, for, uh, for the St. Joe's Hawks. For St. Joe's Come on, Phil Martelli. You're better than that. Yeah. Right. Or Matt Brady. Come on now. Oh, yes, that's right. Okay. Oh, that's awesome. Right. So, yeah. Rob, what's your second one? I'm going to go with Sammy the Slug. Uh, oh. You see Santa Cruz banana slugs, mm-hmm. just because clearly I've got a flair for the or, yeah. or some sort of affinity for the ridiculous mascot. Oh. I just that just cracks me up. I don't know if they even have teams. If this is like just a mascot that they have for the purposes of having on T-shirts or so they can get an obscure podcast <laughs> and I can talk about it. But I don't know. It's it's always just made me laugh that somebody thought having a banana slug 
was a uh, was a good idea and it's kind of i don't know it's just it's a funny visual they're funny t-shirts um just seems like a very california thing to do and i i bought it hook line and sinker oh that's awesome uh, yeah, yeah we've always been excited i mean everybody who's ever talked about mascots i feel like banana slug is the first one we're all like did you know they're the banana slugs yeah <laughs> yeah yeah that's awesome um on the opposite end of the self-effacing spectrum is the texas a&m collie reveille mm-hmm. um or miss rev as she's known at texas a&m um there is not a fan base in the nation that takes itself more seriously i don't think than texas a&m the 12th man the 12th man mm-hmm. and the, the corps of cadets and the whole mm-hmm. thing it's like virginia tech times 100 <laughs> down there right and uh and just so you know, Reveille is a collie, I think Lassie, and the dog, always a female dog, is the highest ranking member of the Texas A&M Corps of Cadets, which is essentially like their, I don't, I don't mean to be disrespectful in this, I don't understand it completely, but it's their sort of ROTC Corps, I might not be But like not, not affiliated? No, they're affiliated, it's like the Virginia Tech Corps, um, it's a bunch of students who are very serious about what they're doing. And, but like, are they affiliated with any branch of the military? I don't know. I don't know. Um, Somebody Google that and then yeah, send us let us know. Tweet. Yeah. yeah. But I do know that the dog is the highest ranking member of the Corps of Cadets. So that means that if Miss, and it is, it, a, it, I will say if they are affiliated with the military, that concerns me. <laughs> yeah, it's because, because Cause, cause dogs, about dogs, not as good as ROTC students. No, not at all. And, and the dog, uh, Students salute the dog, A. B, if the dog falls asleep in another cadet's bed, that cadet must find a, another place to sleep because the dog outranks them. And, yes. and, yeah. if the, and the cadet, it is assigned every year to a sophomore cadet, and they take the dog everywhere. Um, obviously on its excursions to games and Texas a events, but also to class, to the dining hall, everywhere. And if the dog barks in class, the professor ends class because Miss Rev is bored, um, which is actually pretty great. Yeah, right? that's that's pretty good. Yeah, so um, that that's a pretty cool tradition from Texas A&M. So, Rob, what's your top mascot? I have a feeling I know where you're going. Well, with you this. know, I mean, cl- clearly Mike the Tiger. Um, <laughs> I believe it's now. We're, what are we, Mike the Seventh? Yeah, I'm not I, sure. I yeah, a, yeah. Um, this is kind of an iconic college mascot. Some people might say Oga, but Oga is the second second best bulldog in the country. So yeah, Oga has a great movie reference, but come on, Oga. Yeah, come on now. Yeah, yeah. Um, You're not the even Tiger, the best bulldog in the country. No, exactly. Right. Mike the Tiger is everything that's awesome and everything that's wrong with college sports rolled together. <laughs> yep. I absolutely love. It. Like I legitimately love it. I think it's. A, I haven't seen Mike the seventh. Mike the sixth. I've seen several times. Um, Todd, you know, I'm a big LSU fan. Right. Not just the purple, but like my goddaughters in Baton Rouge, my youngest son, uh, both his godparents are alums. We've been down there to visit, been down there to see games. It's just, it's a great mascot. It was awesome back in the day when they used to bring him out in a cage and put him next to the visiting team's tunnel. (laughs) And they'd run out and they had a live tiger growling. (laughs) As if having 90,000, you know, Louisiana fans or Louisiana natives right. screaming and yelling wasn't enough, you're going to add a tiger to it. Yeah. And it was just amazing. He's got this tiger habitat across from 
the stadium. Oh, I saw this is, thing. It, it's <laughs> unreal. My kids think it's the greatest thing ever. We go down there, like, gotta go see Mike, gotta go see Mike. It's like the National Zoo right, right across from, from this football stadium. And, you know, it's one of the biggest tourist attractions in town. You've got this beautiful, beautiful, just whole setup and the you know, Siberian tiger. Um, it, it's cool. He's the best. He's intimidating. He's beautiful. It's a great tradition. Uh, it's a tremendous source of pride. Yep. And I just, I love everything about Mike the tiger. Mike the tiger definitely is great. And it takes me, apparently Rob and I are both in the, um, <laughs> we're not on the PETA team tonight. Because, no. because my number one is Ralphie uh, from the University of Colorado Buffaloes. Another great one. Yes. Um, another just enormous. Uh, every, again, everything that is terrible and wonderful about college football all at once. Um, I think most of us know Ralphie, they run this giant buffalo out of the tunnel at the start of the game with like six handlers in cowboy suits trying yes. to hang on and almost every game some one dragged. or two people get just crushed and like thrown off yeah it's the most ridiculous thing in the world um <laughs> in what, what like world is it appropriate to like just randomly run a buffalo out into a crowd of sixty thousand screaming fans right on astroturf on astroturf right um same thing as rob i mean i lived in colorado for a little bit after jmu and uh you know have a Certain appreciation for the Buffs and their fans, and uh, just another awesome, awesome sight in college football. That I mean, it's ridiculous. You're not going to see that anywhere else in in the in American culture. Well, the, a giant so tiger on the sideline, a yeah. giant buffalo running out, right? Yeah. Part, a, part of being a real college football fan is you just need to suspend disbelief. <laughs> you know, it's just it's, let's just forget about the whole. Are they amateur? Should we pay them? Is this right? What's going on? No, just stop. <laughs> it's awesome. Everything about it is awesome. What ridiculous when I just show up like, oh, this is totally a healthy way to spend the day. Let's have several hundred thousand people show up and <laughs> scream and yell at college athletes and call radio shows the next morning and talk about people being benched and scream and yell. And we'll have live animals running through crowds with, you know, college students handling them. Just just go with it. Yes. I mean, the yeah. highest compliment that, that, that JMU got this weekend was from our, I don't, I don't know what to call him, our friend or colleague, Brian McLaughlin. Uh-huh from hero sports who made the way up his way up from Florida. He covers, he's the national FCS writer who does some really great FCS work. And he came to the game and the whole experience this weekend. And that's exactly what he's, I mean, he was like, I mean, he was wowed, I think by everything that JMU has become in the tradition standpoint. And he said, yeah. this is basically a smaller version of an sec crowd. Yeah. There's smoked meats and <laughs> beverages yeah. everywhere. And there's no possible explanation for why, People are tailgating all over the all, all over the campus, right? Yeah, yeah. And if we're speaking about hero sports, um, let's just—it was very nice to finally meet Chase Kitty. This is a guy we've interacted with online. He's now working for Hero Sports, among some other publications, and we've been kind of chatting back and forth with him for years, going back to when he's a breeze editor. And, um, we had the good fortune to hang out with him Saturday night. He had the the misfortune of being next to me when we continue to talk about television for like an hour and a half. But, <laughs> um, it was really cool to finally meet him. Um, it was. Really 
like and admire his work. Mm-hmm. So check him out on, on Hero Sports. And he and Brian and all the others are doing really, really good work in terms of covering the FCS and Jamie in particular. Yep. And I think that takes us near the end here. Um, thank you, everybody, for sticking with us. Uh, way to go, Jamie Nation. You were in- ex- just incredible this weekend. We can't wait to uh, join you again in a couple weeks or whenever we get to see you. Uh, again, go by Pale Fire if you're in Harrisonburg, all you folks in the Valley. By the way, Rob, no doubt, this, uh, as, as our buddy Ben said, uh, people in the Valley are starting to embrace this team in a, in a way, and this school in a way they haven't ever. And, yeah, uh, absolutely. It's yeah. becoming much more, and for Jamie to really be successful, they need to start to get into that kind of general consciousness. You need to be more of a regional attraction versus just alums. Mm-hmm. Um, Everybody always talks about the concentration of alums in Northern Virginia. I've lived most of my life in Northern Virginia. That ain't going to do it. There's there's alums from every school on the planet here. Yeah. This is always going to be a fragmented market. What you got to do is kind of own the valley yep. and get some serious excitement. And it's nice to see that there's some steps being made toward that goal. Big time. Yeah. So everybody down there, go buy Pale Fire. Tell them about the podcast. You get a free pint glass. Enjoy some fine beverages. Uh, we're excited. We did want to tell you this week on the blog. Um, this is kind of an annual tradition. Our prodigies over at the William & Mary sports blog. Can they be prodigies if they're smarter than us? <laughs> I mean, they went to William & Mary, went to JMU, which is like our younger friends. Our younger friends over at the <laughs> yeah. William & Mary sports blog who uh, followed our lead in this independent CAA media market. Um, yeah. We'll be doing a Q&A swap with them this week like we do every year. It's always kind of a fun fun way to get into the game, and they certainly know a lot more about their program than we do. So it'll be fun to talk to them. You can find us on Twitter, at JMU Sports Blog, of course. Uh, we're always on there. You can find us on Facebook and, of course, on the blog itself. So, Rob, it was great spending the weekend with you. I can't wait to uh, till we get another chance later in the weekend. And with all of JMU Nation, we had such a good time. So Yeah, we really did. I had a good time with you and with all our friends, but uh, just to to echo what Todd said earlier in the podcast, it really means a lot to us when when people that listen or read or follow us on Twitter come up and introduce themselves. I apologize if I kind of, you know, seem aloof. It's not that I don't care. It's actually quite the opposite. <laughs> I'm always just so stunned that that people come up and seem to appreciate what we do in any way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. Um, we met so many great people this week, and I think I speak for both of us. It really means a lot to us when people come up and, and say hello and introduce themselves and, and chat. It, it's a cool feeling. Um, if we look kind of spacey, it's because we're just, we're just blown away. We're blown away that anybody cares. But it really, really means a lot. And thank you to each and every one of you who came up and said hello or, or you know, mm-hmm. gave us a wave or stopped us for pictures. You know, it, it was really cool. And or bought those real awesome pl- t-shirts. Yes. But um, it was a pleasure meeting all of you and, um, we really appreciate everybody sticking with us and, and putting up with us and kind of being in on the joke. Yeah. So. so thank you, everybody. And uh, Rob, I will talk to you next week. All right. Take it easy, everyone. Right. Go Dukes.